0: Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you for joining us today in the building. For those of you watching online, thank you for tuning in. If you're in the building, would you please stand with us and watch worship this morning? I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven I believe in signs and wonders I have resurrection power yes I do still the miracle that I just can't get over my name is registered in heaven my praise belongs to you forever Sons and daughters Fought with blood and washed in water Sing the praises of our spirit Son and Father Our God will finish what He started Yes, our God will finish what He started This is my testimony From death to life Grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ, the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony.
1: You guys going to have a seat. Glad to be with you this morning. It's, uh, it's a good day to be alive. Amen. Amen. I love it. Hey, I want to share with you. So, if we listen, if we have guests in the house, we're glad you're here. Would you, on, the, on your way out, would you just visit the Welcome Center? They have something to give you just for saying thanks for being with us this morning. And if you're online, let us know you're one of our guests. You're checking things out. We'd love to get to know you and share more information about Crossroads. But, listen, guys, I want to... Um, I just want to encourage you with the Word of God just before we share a few things, but this is Romans fifteen, thirteen. It says, "Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit." Listen, when you, when you when you think about hope, when you think about peace, you think about joy. Like we need it all the time, and we got a God who wants to give it to us, and for it to abound like overwhelming amount we thank god that that's who he is that he wants to give us peace joy and hope and it's abound we thank him for that so you know as as we share a few things i just want to put this out in front of you our mission here at crossroads thinking about that peace thinking about that hope thinking about that joy we want everyone to have a relationship with christ and that's why we exist to bring people into a growing relationship with jesus christ there's nothing that we do or want to do that's outside of that mission. And so I want to let you know that on May 9th, we're going to be doing a few things to, to just continue to celebrate all that God is doing. We're going to dedicate some, some children. So uh, May 9th, we're going to dedicate some babies and some children to the Lord. And so there's about, um, I think there's like seven families. Isn't that awesome? They're going to dedicate their kids, yeah. So if you are still interested in, in wanting to, to, um, dedicate your child, please go on the front page of our website and you can, um, let us know that you have that intention and we'll can, we'll reach out and we'll talk more about details, but that's gonna be on May 9th. And we're also gonna celebrate our moms on May 9th. And so there'll be some, some fun things happening that morning, I know, as well. So bring your mom and, and moms would love to celebrate you on the 9th and every day. We love our moms. Um, but I also want to encourage you as you leave, we have our May prayer generals out. And I want you to grab one as you leave and just make prayer and and reading the Word a part of your everyday. You know, meet with the Father every single day. Meet with Jesus. There's a song I've been listening to, and it's a newer song, and it's called Talking with Jesus. And the guy talks about how, as a kid, you know, his mom talked to Jesus. And then you know, his grandma and his dad, and then he, and then they invited him, you know, let's, let's teach you how to talk to Jesus. And now this guy's got kids and he's teaching his kids how to talk to Jesus. And that's what I want to do is teach my kids how to talk to Jesus so that when they're older, they talk with Jesus, that they meet with him, that they have that relationship with Jesus. So listen, make, make being with Jesus a part of your every day, read the word, pray, meet with him and grab one of these prayer journals as you leave and just watch what God's going to do in your life. Hey, I just want to also say thank you for your faithfulness in giving online through the mail or the boxes on the wall. God is doing an amazing work in this church. He's using us. Isn't that cool? He uses us, like, to do his work. And so thank you for your faithfulness in giving and just being on mission. Again, going back to that mission statement, we're on mission. So thank you guys so much. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this morning. And, Lord, as we open up your word here in a minute, and, God, as we even sing to you here next, Lord, just to declare lord that we're gonna we're gonna worship you we're gonna worship you in and out of every season we're going to declare that you are god god we're going to stand on your foundation we're going to um, just recognize the truth that lord we don't perform to be justified god we are justified in christ that we are standing on that foundation therefore we want to glorify you in all that we do so god that's a big shift i know for a lot of people but thank you for jesus thank you for his cross and this morning, we just love you. We love you right back and all things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Remarkable Jesus. We've been looking at the book of John, our uh, book of Mark from John Mark. He's given us the words of, of Jesus. We see this remarkable Jesus and what he has done for us. And as we've been looking through this, we've, we've, we just keep seeing another part of his character. We see a little bit more of Jesus. And, and the more that you get to know who Jesus is, the more that your life will be transformed. So as we come this morning, you know, last, last week we had with us our missionaries from Ecuador, Daniel and Anita. Wasn't that a treat last week? Having Daniel and Anita Gonzalez from Ecuador and they shared with us about their ministry. And, uh, and then we, we got into talking just a little bit in Mark chapter 2 when Jesus, uh, the, the, the Pharisees came and they were picking on Jesus' disciples and they said, why are your disciples not fasting? Why is it that they're not down like we are? Why are they not following our religious rules of fasting? And so um, and, and so Jesus replies, listen, they're with the bridegroom. When you're with Jesus, there's no need for sorrow. When you're with Jesus, there's joy. And so last week, we just touched on this a little bit about joy in the valley. You know, it's, it, it, that is where you have to have joy. Joy has to come in the valley. It's easy to have joy on the mountaintops, isn't it? Like when things are going good that's where joy you're happy everything's good but when times are bad when it's in the valley when 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 it's a rough time man that's where we've got to go to get joy we have to reach down deep into the person of Christ and get that joy he is the one who will provide that joy and then Jesus continues on if you continue to read there in, in Mark chapter 2 he talks about uh, about uh, about an old wineskin and new wineskins he says you don't put old you don't put new wine into an old wineskin and so what happened was they had uh, they would in order to make wine they would take a, a part of a goat hide and they would tan it and uh, and as they they would put the put the new wine into it it would ferment as it would ferment it, it would push on the on the wine skin and the the, the that new that new wine skin had uh, uh, elasticity so if you had the elasticity it would work and if you took an old wine skin and put new wine into it. And it need to go through the fermenting process, it would just break the wineskin. It would just, it would just destroy it. And so Jesus says, that's what my joy is like. My joy, the joy that I'm going to bring to you is bigger. You can't fit it into the old system. Jesus is saying that I don't fit into the old system. You can't place Jesus into the old system. Jesus doesn't fit into religion. Can you thank God for that today? Yes. Thanks be to God. He does not fit into religion. Jesus didn't come to make another religion. He didn't come to fit into this old system. As a matter of fact, Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament law. And as you look in the Old Testament, you see all the law that he fulfilled. He was perfect. But he says, listen, don't try to fit me into that because you can't put new wine into the old wineskin. And so Jesus lived under pressure. I want you to think about this because as he was doing his ministry, they started. There was tension that developed between Jesus and uh, and, the, and these and these uh, the the Pharisees, the religious establishment. anybody ever have pressure in your life? Raise your hand. Yeah, we all have pressure, don't we? How do we respond to pressure? What happens to us under pressure? We do kind of crazy things. anybody ever bowl a three hundred game? anybody ever bowl three hundred? Can you believe it? I asked that, this question this morning and one lady said she had. I couldn't believe it. Colleen Beckinger said she bowled a 300 game. You, you want to talk about pressure, um, uh, to be, uh, to be able to bowl a 300 game. The, the pressure that it would be, like, because it's like one in 200,000 people can bowl a, a game of 300. It's like, you have to just hit it just right and it's just, uh, unless you're a professional bowler, it's not something that happens every day. And so I heard about one bowler that completely collapsed when he qualified to be in the Brotherhood of the 300. Right? I heard about another guy. He was he was going along and he'd come down to the last frame. And he's like, I, I just can't do this. Like like there's no way. I, I'm going to screw this thing up. And so he was living under this pressure of, of 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 being perfect. I was reading about how they teach people how to perform under pressure, to the uh, in Brazil to the Peace Corpsmen. Um, This was an instruction on how to react to hungry pythons. Could you imagine if you met up with a hungry python? Let me read this to you. This is interesting. Remember not to run away. The python can run faster. The thing to do is to lie flat on the ground on your back with your feet together, arms at your side, head well down. The python will then try to push its head under you, experimenting at every possible point keep calm what is that you know keep calm you must let him swallow your foot it is quite painless and it will take a long time let a python swallow your foot yeah if you lose your cool and struggle he will whip his coils around you if you keep calm and still he will go on swallowing not only your foot wait patiently until he has swallowed up to about your knee Then carefully take out your knife, insert it into the distended side of his mouth, and with a quick rip, slit him. That's how you handle pressure of a hungry python, folks. I want you to think about this, because in life we face a lot of pressures, don't we? How do we handle pressure? How did Jesus handle pressure? And I want you to think about this, because as we jump into this today, you're going to see a bit of pressure that Jesus came up to. And uh, and he's able to respond to it quite incredibly. Look how Jesus handles himself with the pressure of these Pharisees. The religious establishment of the day. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2 verse 28. One Sabbath Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples walked along. Uh, they began to pick some heads of grain. So they're just walking through the field. And you can imagine this was a, a young bunch of guys. They were young adults to late teenagers right in that area, okay? So they're going along and they, they pick, up, pick up the grain. And just you see the, the, the grain grown and they just go to the top head and they, they're flicking it. And you can just see some of them flicking it and some of them just eating, pop, popping it and eating the head. Verse 24, the Pharisee said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And so what happens is they come and the Pharisees come and they start to pick on Jesus again. There's this tension about the Sabbath. And so it wasn't what they were doing because you could go into somebody's field and pick, pick a little bit of grain and eat it. If you go to Deuteronomy 23, verse 25, you would see that the action that they were doing was perfectly allowed to do. You could go in and just pick a piece of grain. You couldn't go out with a sickle and harvest somebody else's, but you could walk through a field and harvest a little bit of grain yourself. The problem was the day that they were doing it on. They were doing it on what was known as the Sabbath day. Uh, the Sabbath was uh, the day that all work was per- forbidden. Uh, the Old Testament law had said that there was this day, the Sabbath, once every seven days you'd have the, the Sabbath day. And you were to not work on that day. You were to have a day of rest. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, of the religious establishment of the day, they came up with 39 classifications, 39 headings, what they classified as work. You know, this is what happens. Quite often, God will say this, and man will add to his Word, man will add to it. And so, so this is what happened. Pharisees came along, they saw the the law of God and they said, well, we are going to add to this. We want to make it so that we don't, uh, we don't go out and we don't hurt and we don't break this law. So for the, for these people here, for the disciples, the Pharisees were saying, hey, you were reaping the harvest. You were threshing, you were winnowing, you were preparing a meal. And so they count them on all these ways that they have made an infraction on the law. Verse 25, Jesus answers, and he said, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? Verse 26, In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he encountered the house of God, and he ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so what Jesus was doing here, he he says, Listen, you guys are getting on me about this, really? You religious leaders, don't you know? Haven't you studied the Bible? Like, these were the people that were students of the Bible, the scribes, the Pharisees. They knew the, they knew God's Word. And he says, listen, don't you know God's Word? Look at it. Go back over into 1 Samuel chapter 21, and you would understand this. You would know that whenever David came before these people, David comes in. He's got his men. They're hungry. He comes before the priest. There's no food. And David says, can we eat that bread over there? And it was the bread that was made for worship. There were 12 loaves that were put out before the Holy of Holies. And according to the law of God, nobody was to eat that but the priest. So the high priest at this moment says, I'm going to give this to you and I want you to eat. And so when Jesus does this, he flips it around on on the Pharisees. He flips it around on the law keepers. You know, today we have a lot of people that are like that. They will take the word of God and they will add their law to it. They will add their man-made rules and regulations. Jesus said, you're only to not work on the Sabbath day. They came along and they added up all these things. You couldn't walk on the grass. You couldn't do this. You couldn't even pluck a little head of grain. So Jesus makes a bigger point. And Jesus points here, he says this, that people are more important than rituals. I want you to remember that. People, say that with me, people are more important than rituals. Jesus was definitely following the rituals of the Old Testament. Jesus definitely followed the law, and he was able to perform. He could do all that. But here he is. These disciples are coming, and they're nitpicking. And they're saying, listen, this is unlawful. Why are your disciples not following our rules? You see that? And then they come down, and Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh, people are more important. The best way to use sacred things is to help people. The best way to use sacred things is to help people. So I want you to see this pressure's mounting. As you look at this pressure, it's like the pressure keeps mounting and it keeps moving and it keeps growing upon Jesus here. The religious leaders uh, keep coming at him on every move. Look here in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. You know, when I think of this passage, I read this. Do you ever see those little hands that the kids get? My uh, my kids gave them to Luke. Did you ever see him? I think you go to five below, and it's like they're on a stick, and the hands like this big. Have you seen it? So it kind of gives you this picture, like his hands like this big, right? And uh, and it, that really wasn't the case. I you know I kind of get this idea that like, his hand had shrunk, a shriveled hand. What it was was more like a paralyzed hand. It was like the, this hand was was broken and couldn't work anymore. Uh, some extra biblical material tells us that, that this hand was, that it wasn't like that from birth. It was a disease that he caught later in life. He was a bricklayer by trade. And so his whole, it, it, this affected everything about his life. He couldn't function. He couldn't work. He couldn't make a living. And so when he comes in, I want you to catch it. He comes in to worship and his hand is all shriveled up and he can't function according to the way that he was made to function. So Jesus goes into the synagogue and he finds the man with the shriveled hand that was there. Verse 2, some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. So the Pharisees are looking around saying, "Mm -hmm, we're going to get him now. He's going to do this. We know he's going to look at this. That was kind of a setup. So Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now, now this is kind of wild because Jesus could have come along and said, um, hey, when you go home, take your hand out of your pocket and it'll be healed. He he could have been very private about this. And, you know, that's kind of our culture today. We're very private about these things. Jesus calls him up and says, stand up in front of everyone. Look how he deals with the Pharisees. Jesus says to the Pharisees, he says, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill a life? But they remained silent. He looked around them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And when he did, he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. His hand went from being this paralyzed, shriveled up thing to, man, he's got full use. He can go back. He can function. He can work. And so he does this miracle on the Sabbath. And so these, these religious leaders, they, they had a law. You could not give medical attention on the Sabbath. And Jesus comes along and he just uses a little common sense. And he says, hey, listen here. Who made the Sabbath? Who made the Sabbath? And look what he says here. He says, for the Pharisees went out and they began to plot with the Herodians how that they might kill Jesus. He went out to plot how that they might kill Jesus, the Herodians. This was people who were followers of King King Herod. It was a political party. So the Pharisees now go team up with this political party. How that they might get rid of Jesus. Remember King Herod. Remember when Jesus was born, they wanted to get rid of Jesus. The Herodians now they want to get rid of Jesus, and so the Pharisees join up with them because listen, how could this man not follow our rules? How could this man who claims to be God, how could he not follow our rules? How could it, how could it be that he doesn't go out and do what we say to do? You know, many of you have heard about the Sabbath. Some of you say, well, what is the Sabbath? I've never heard that. Uh, we've referred to today, we call it Sunday. That's what our Sabbath is for us. For the Jewish people, it's uh, Friday night sundown till Saturday night sundown. The Sabbath, it was, it was a day that God said to set aside and to keep it holy. The word Sabbath means this, it means a deep rest, it means a deep peace. It comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat. So whenever you hear a Hebrew person use the word Shabbat, that's what they're referring to, is the Sabbath. They're referring to this deep rest and deep peace. You see, the whole reason for the Sabbath was to restore that which was worn out. It was to come back, it was to fill up that which was empty. And so what Jesus did, when Jesus uh, restored this man on the Sabbath... And these people, the, the Pharisees were looking at them. Let me tell you, the Pharisees' hearts were as shriveled as the man's hand. They didn't understand. They were they were they were just they were just listen. You can't get in on us. And so they, they had the rules and the regulations, and they understood how to live life according to rules and regulations. For years, growing up, I, I remember hearing about the Sabbath. Um, whenever I was a whenever I was a young young kid, I remember going. Out, uh, coming out here to church and nothing else was happening on Sunday. You couldn't go anywhere else. There was no ball games. There was nothing else that was happening on Sunday. It was because that was, uh, kind of the day that everybody took a day of rest. And at one point, I, I think the stores weren't even open. I remember somewhere in my, uh, later childhood, the early teenage years that I remember Heckingers. Remember Heckingers? Okay. Heckingers opened from noon till five on Sunday. It was like, wow, this was the biggest thing you could go. And then the grocery stores started open on Sunday. And so, so it began. And now today we live in a whole world that's different, don't we? Sunday, you drove by ball fields, they're all filled this morning. Everybody's out there doing their thing. Uh, there's no, no system in life that has given this day off. And you really need a day off. Have you ever noticed that? And so, uh, so, so here, here we are today. We're living in this world that doesn't participate in that. I, I'll never forget, I came home one Sunday after church. And I cut my grass one Sunday. I come home, you know, just the Sunday after church. So I'm out there mowing the grass. And my neighbor, who is an elderly man, he came out. And he's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I said, I'm cutting the grass. He said, it's Sunday. I said, I know it was raining yesterday and it's going to rain tomorrow. I want to get the grass cut. He goes, but it's Sunday. You see, he came from this strong tradition of the Sabbath, of, of keeping this day holy. And so I didn't cut the grass anymore on Sunday until he passed away because I didn't want to offend him. Now, guess what i got to do this afternoon. I'll be riding my tractor out there, right? So so listen, the Sabbath was a day that we were to be keeping to rest, a, a day that was set aside to rest, whether it was Sunday, could be Friday, Saturday, whatever. I have times worked into my schedule that I have for my Sabbath where I just let my brain disconnect, where I, you won't find me, where I'm just like, okay, I need I need this time to restore myself with God. That's what the Sabbath is all about. And so so when you think of the Sabbath, I want you to remember that, that the Pharisees, they loved ritual. That's what their religion was. Their, their religion was all about rituals. But Jesus came and he said, I want you to learn how to love God and how to love each other. Learn how to love God and learn how to love people. Jesus was people-centered. The Pharisees were law-centered. It was all about the law. It was all about the man-made laws that they added to God's law. The Pharisees made a huge mistake thinking that you could take take uh, faith and make it into a human attainable standard. Like somehow your standards, the rules and regulations that you would do would make you pleasing to God. They totally didn't understand it because a thousand times over, I'll tell you, no, 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 no. You cannot make yourself attainable to God. You cannot follow any rules. And the more that you take God's law and you add to it, and you say, "All right, I'm going to, I'm going to, here's God's law here, and I'm going to stay way over here. I'm going to be really good. I'm not even going to get close to offending that law," you've missed the point. The Sabbath was about a deep rest. And Jesus says here, when they, when they when they went and they plucked the, uh, the 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 grains, he says, "I am Lord of the Sabbath." Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, so he is in charge. Not only is he Lord over the demons, because the demons, he can cast them out. Not only can he cast out the, the, the sick and, and, and get rid of disease, but now he's saying, listen, I am Lord over the religion. I, I am Lord over all this. I am Lord of all the rules and regulations. I am more than that. And so that's why he says, I don't fit into the old wineskins. And if you're going and you're, I'll tell you what, if you're trying to live life according to a bunch of rules and regulations, you want to talk about pressure? You'll never be good enough. Many people today are trying to live their life and they're saying, man, if I could just be good enough, if I could just get this person's approval, if I could just get this person's attention, if I could just uh, uh, perform at my job, if I could perform at my family, uh, if I could be this good person and, and we set these rules and regulations into our life then somehow I'd be okay. Well, religion says if I perform, if I obey, then I'm accepted. But the gospel is different. The gospel, see, religion is good advice. The gospel is good news. Amen? Good news. Catch that. It's good news. The good news is that you can't earn your way to God. That is really good news because Jesus came down and he paid the price for your sin so that you could have eternal life. And so if you've been trying to live according to a bunch of rules and regulations and maybe even some standards and regulations that you have placed into your life, you are you are worn out. It's overwhelming. Uh, May I just share with you today that Jesus is the lord of the sabbath when he said that he's saying i am the sabbath jesus is the deep rest you won't find a deep rest just by taking a day off because you got monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and saturday as you're working you need rest there too and it's more than just a day off see that day off is to be a reminder of the rest that we get in jesus Many people, they're working their whole life. They're working and they're working. And even when they're rested, they're still working. Their mind is working. Their heart is working. They're they're, they're trying to justify themselves at every corner. Jesus is the deep rest. Jesus is the deep peace. You know, think about this. Where did the Sabbath come from? Jesus said he is the Lord of the Sabbath. Where did the Sabbath come from? Look at Genesis chapter 2 verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. God creates the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he looks at it. And on the seventh day, he ended his work which he had done. But I want you to remember that from verse 1. It was finished. He, he, did, he did it all. The heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them, and they were finished. On the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had done. Verse 3, then God blessed the seventh day, sanctified it. He set it apart because in it he rested from all of his work which God had created and made. Did you ever think about this? God creates the heavens and the earth. In six days, he makes this happen. He does it all. He has he makes all the animals. He makes the orangutan. He makes the rhinoceros. He makes the gorillas. You name it all. He's made Adam and Eve. He's made everything. He sits down and God rests. Was God tired? No. God was finished. He did the work and it was complete. Did you ever do a work in your, in your own house and, uh, and, and you're not satisfied with it, you know? Like, like, let me tell you, I did a little project in our house Uh, just a few months ago. It was in October, I think it was, maybe. Yeah, it was October I started. And And I went into, you know, I looked at our bathroom and I saw that this thing needs renovated. So my wife, she was out shopping or something, and she came home and I had ripped out the bathroom. And I thought, this is good. This is Tuesday. By Sunday, I'll have this thing all back together. Four months later on a Sunday, I had it all back together. I thank God for good neighbors who came over and helped me and good people that were always there to help me. I ripped up the floor and this whole thing is tearing apart. And listen, let me tell you, every time you were with me during that four months, you know what was on my mind? That stupid bathroom. I just have to tell you that. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I go to breakfast with a, a bunch of guys on Tuesdays, and they would ask me every week, how's the bathroom coming? I'm like, oh, you don't even want to know. They're like, what's wrong with you? Just get somebody to do it. I'm like, no, I'm doing this. This is really good. I'm master handyman now, right? And so, so I go in there, and I, I t- it took me like four months to make this bathroom done. And I'll tell you what, whenever I got done with that bathroom, and, and we got it all together, and it was functioning, I went in and I just looked at that bathroom like, yeah, this is good. I might even want to go in the bathroom one day. Might even use that one time, huh? And it's like, wow, you get this, you get you you know, when your work is done and it's complete and it's satisfied, it feels good, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, this is good. It's all done. I'm satisfied. When God created the heavens and the earth. That first verse, that verse there, Genesis two one said that it was finished. I-, I, want- I want you to catch it because many people, they will work, and even when they're rested, they're not; they're still working. You remember the movie? Anybody ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? Raise your hand if you've seen that. Okay, all right. You have to go home and watch that on Netflix if you can find it. Um, the-, the movie Chariots of Fire was about. About the Olympics of 1924, there were two guys, and I'll throw a picture of them up here. 1924, two guys, one by the name of Eric Little, and the other by the name of Harold Abraham. And Harold Abraham's, uh, he was, he was, he was not favored to win the 100 meter, but Eric Little was. And Eric Little was a, a follower of Christ. As a matter of fact, Eric Little wanted to be a missionary, and later on in life ends up being a missionary. My understanding is that he actually died on the mission field. He was a follower of Christ, and whenever he got out into the Olympics, he had a problem. He was was favored to win the 100-meter, and he gets into the 100-meter dash, and uh, and, and he's going going for the gold, and uh, the gold is supposed to race on Sunday. And so according to him, this was the way that he lived. He said, I will not race on Sunday. This is the day that I will not race. I'm a follower of God. I will not do this. And so he jumps out of the race. He can't, he can't do it because he, you know, and people are mad at him. You, you watch the story. There's a whole lot of drama around it. And this Harold Abrahams ends up winning the hundred meter race. And so the film gives you contrast between Harold Abrahams and Eric Little. And on one level, the, the movie is about this. The movie is about this guy, uh, not running on Sunday. Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy. But on another level, I want you to catch this. The movie added another level which contrasted Harold Abrahams and Eric Little with uh, with rest. You see, Abrahams at one point, he's, he's preparing, he's ready to race. And the movie shows him, Eric, uh, uh, Harold Abrahams says, I've got ten seconds to justify my existence. He's, in other words, he's got to work for this. And then on the other hand... They show Eric Little. He's talking to his girlfriend about why he's going to do the Olympics before he goes to China. And he says this, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And you see the two different drives of life. Listen, many people are like this. I can do the law. I've got to justify my existence. How about running because I feel his pleasure? How about I'm living because I have felt his love and his pleasure? You see, Harold Abrahams was weary even when he was rested. But Eric Little was rested even when he was weary. And why? Because there's work underneath of our work that is really what we need to rest from. And that work is this work of self-justification. Many of us need self-justification. We need others' approvals. And listen, that's one of the hardest places to be. When you're trying to get somebody's approval and you don't get it, man, oh, day. Let me tell you, you need rest from that. Jesus is the Sabbath. Jesus is your rest. You do not have to live up to anybody else's anything. You are rest. You are complete in him. Come and enjoy this relationship. This is the remarkable Jesus I'm telling you about. Um, When we, You will work and work and work trying to convince yourself. You'll try to prove to God that you're good, prove to others that you're good. And at the end, your work will never be done unless we come and enjoy the rest of God. That work is never done outside of the rest of God. You see, on the cross, Jesus said it is finished. You know, at the very beginning in creation, he said his work was finished. On the cross, he said it was finished. The payment was complete. The, the payment was not only complete, but it was satisfied and so whenever God sat down at seven days of creation, he saw the complete and satisfied work when Jesus was on the cross, he said to tell us "I paid in full, it is finished. You know God the Father said, "Oh, this is good, this is real good. The work has been paid, and so for you and I to go and try and get our justification by trying to please God. What? No, I am justified. Therefore, I run. Therefore, I get to do this. Therefore, I get to function as the Father has asked me to function. Many people want to function and then get 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 approval, then get satisfied. God says, "You, I am satisfied. I am satisfied in who Christ is. Therefore, you don't have to perform. However, you will go out and God will make this difference in your life. And now you don't have to get somebody's approval on one hand. You don't have to get God's approval because you have it in the person of Jesus Christ. His work is finished and it was completed on the cross. On the cross, check out this quote. On the cross, Jesus experienced the relent, uh, the restlessness of separation from the Father so that we can have the deep rest of knowing that he loves us and that our sins are forgiven. On the cross, Jesus knew what that restlessness was like. Many of you know what that restlessness is like. You've been wrestling all your life because you're just trying to perform. You're just trying to get God's attention. You're trying to get your family's attention. If I just get my dad's approval, if I get my mom's approval, if I get my neighbor's approval, if I, if, I, if, I, if. Jesus understood that restlessness because on the cross, he was separated from the Father. And then he did that so that you can have the deep rest. You know what? When you know that you're loved by God, no matter what mistake you've made, you're loved by God. That's called deep rest, folks. If I have to justify myself after every mistake I've ever made, I will never be at rest. My soul will be shredded. And you know what? You make a lot of mistakes. I make mistakes. We sin. We fall short of the glory of God. And God says, rest. Not in who you are. You see, God didn't come to equip you to save yourself. He came to save you. Wow. That is earth-shattering. That's the remarkable Jesus that I'm talking about. Jesus is the only source of rest that we need. The only. Read that with me. Jesus is the only source of rest and peace that we need. You will not find your rest and peace in anything else in life outside of Jesus. Keep searching for it. Keep trying to justify. You know, um, you know if you get around pastors, they like to talk. And I get around them, you know, how, how, what's happening in your church? What's happening in this? Da, da, da. Listen, pastors have to deal with that, too. We try to get our justification from how things are going. That's not what this is about. Let me tell you, my justification is not on how things are going. Because this time last year, you were all looking on a cell phone at us. Right? And if I was getting my justification there, I would have had no rest. But I'll tell you, something strange happened in my heart last year. In the middle of all that. I told my wife, I said, I've never slept better than I did last year in March, April, and May. Never slept better. Why? Because I was getting my rest in Christ. Not from whether the doors were open or closed. Not from who, how many people were here. There was nobody to count. It was me and a camera. God says, get your source of rest and peace. Not from your circumstances, but from me. In Matthew 11:28. Jesus said this. And this is his invitation to you today. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You don't get it on your own. You don't manufacture it. How do you get it? Come to me. I will give you rest. Lay your burdens down. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy my burden is light this is what god is he says listen I'm not going to lay this burden on you i want you to lay your burden on me i want you to stop trying you know i really like how the message paraphrase says it this is takes the same passage and it's just paraphrasing check this out Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 from the message paraphrase. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. See, because that's really what Jesus was driving at. Stop trying religion. Stop trying so hard. Stop. Come to me. You know, that invitation was there for the Pharisees as it was for the crowd, as it was for the down and out. It was there for everybody. But the Pharisees said, no, we're not sick. We don't need a doctor. No, we don't need anybody to save us. We will get our rest and our peace from our rules and our regulations. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, Jesus says. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how you can take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Oh, that is so good for me. Unforced. God's not forcing it. You're going to learn the rhythm of his love and how much he cares for you and the rest that he provides. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. That's something important to remember as you live your life and you say, man, I don't think I can handle this. Let me tell you. God says, I'm, going to, I'm not going to give you anything you can't. I, I, you know, listen, I'm here with you and, and listen, I want you to get your rest from me. You can't handle any of this without me. Don't try to live life without God. He's not going to give you a bunch of rules and regulations. He's saying, come keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I, uh, I look at many different translations to try and get some of the meaning and look at the depth of the meaning. The, the Aramaic translates for this word rest. The Aramaic uses a word that means oasis. And I want you to look at this picture here. When you're in a desert... And you come upon water. It's an oasis. Look, look, at, look at the next picture here. It shows a little bit better. You see in the dry and thirsty land. It's a desert. It's dry out there. And you're wandering. You're making your journey. And then you come upon this water. And it's like, wow, this is incredible. That's where you find rest. At the oasis. And Jesus is your oasis. Jesus is the one who says, Listen, I want you to come and drink from the well that will never run dry. I want you to come drink from my oasis because I'm the one who gives rest. You will not get your rest in any other form but me. You will not get your rest in religion. Religion does not bring peace and rest. Thanks be to God. Amen? Religion doesn't bring it. But let me tell you a few other things that don't bring it. Whatever it is that you do to soothe yourself... Uh, Addictions in life, they don't bring peace. They don't bring rest. As a matter of fact, you look at the addictions that people are struggling with today. That doesn't bring any peace to them. As a matter of fact, it shreds their soul. It just destroys them. I I want you to think about people that have uh, addictions to alcohol, to drugs, to pornography, to materialism, to any spending, all these things. And the list goes on and on and on. What happens is we're going in this dry and thirsty land. And we come upon religion, or we come upon these pleasure things, we come upon these things that we'll try that we think are the water, and you know what they are? They're a mirage. They look so good. Doesn't it look so good that you could have a bunch of rules and regulations and I can do these rules and regulations? But you go to the next church, they have their rules and regulations. And then you go to the third church and then they have a different set of rules and regulations. And I'm so thankful here. We don't have that. Can we thank God for that this morning? We have been set free in Christ. Amen. (laughs) Being set free does not mean that you live a lawless life. It means that, look, we're not being legalist. We're not saying if you cut your head this way, if you do this, if you do that. Man, we're all different. God's made us all different. And he loves that. That's why he made us that way. So when we come in, if you're looking to religion so you can check off the box, well, you might check off the box and you may feel good, but it's a mirage. You may go over here to this whatever it is that you use for pleasure. Oh, man, it feels good. Let me tell you, it only feels good for a short time. There's a hangover the next day from whatever it is. Listen, when we go out to these, Jesus says, come to me. I'm the oasis. I will give you rest. Morals, being just a good moral person doesn't bring rest and peace. Only Jesus can bring rest and peace. And he says to you today, the invitation still stands, come to me and I will give you rest. All the Pharisees, they hated this. They said, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. Look what he did. He offended our rules because now the Pharisees were in a place where they said, Hmm, I thought we were good. But according to what he just did, we're not good enough. And folks, thanks be to God, when you understand that you're not good enough, you will find rest in the cross, what Jesus has done for you. Let's close in prayer. Have you found rest for your soul today? Have you found rest? God wants you to have rest. Have you found that rest? And so if you're here joining us online or here in the auditorium, I'd like to invite you today to to find that rest, that peace that comes in Jesus. He is the Sabbath. He is the rest. And so today I want to invite you to trust Jesus as your Savior. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Listen, if you're trying to hold on to religion, there's no rest. If you're trying to hold on to pleasure and addictions and all these other things that the world offers us, there's no rest. Would you call upon Him this morning. And just, if that's you today, you say, Ken, I'm ready. Today's the day. I'm surrendering. I need the love, the forgiveness. I... <laughs> Jesus was, He was restless on the cross so that I could have the deep rest of knowing Him. If that's you today, would you respond by praying to the Lord something like this? Just quietly in your seat, pray to Him. Just say, Dear God, I know that I am a sinner. I have offended a holy God. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You were buried. You rose again the third day. God, I invite you into my life right now. I want to enjoy the rest that comes from you. I need your peace in my heart today. And for others in this place, maybe you have, you've been struggling, you've been following Christ for a while now, but you went back to religion. You was playing some rules and regulations. Or you went back to whatever. And you were getting your self-justification from your job. You were getting it from your performance as a dad, as a mom. As a brother, a sister, as a child. Today, can I encourage you just to drop all that? Come to Jesus and enjoy His rest. And He'll help you more than you could ever do on your own in all those areas. You will see, because you've responded to Him, that you'll be able to do incredibly new things in your life. Because, wow, God... I don't have to go there anymore. I don't have to keep hiding. I don't have to keep covering up. I don't have to be somebody that I'm not. I am somebody in Jesus. And then, God, you change us from the inside out. Father God, be with each person as we respond to you. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for what you have done in this place today. Lord, many lives, this was a decision moment for many lives today. Many have trusted you. And many others, Lord, have decided to... To, to refocus, to come back and enjoy the rest in peace. For you are the rest.
0: Hey Amen. Will you stand and sing in response? Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. ¡Gracias!
2: so glad that you're here today with us. And uh, today, I want to just wrap up today. You know, last week we shared with you that Zach would be heading on into new things into his life.
3: chill blows away and bonfire fire warms my heart under the night